one. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. It's your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, and as my close personal friend, Slim Shady himself, Eminem, has said, I'm back! I'm back. Uh, guys, I gotta tell you, I went back and forth between what I'm back soundbite slash tune to go with. Like, I could have gone pro wrestling and done a little bit of... You know, the Eric Bischoff theme song. And yet, I was like, I'll, I'll call up my buddy. I'll call up my buddy Marshall and see what he's got for me. And, and he had he had this track for me that he wrote just for me, even though it was like 20 years ago. And we put it on the show. And so, yes, I am back. I am back from vacation. It has been two weeks. I think I did like, I was gone for a show, did a show was gone for two more shows and and yeah so i'm here still no david ungar as he is recovering from his trip to orlando where he complained about the heat after vacationing in florida in june and so i'm not quite sure what he expected when he would put on all of his social media statuses it's so hot and humid i'm like it sounds like you're somebody who made the decision to vacation in Orlando in June. So, got nothing for him there. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. The Chairshot.com, always use your head. And while there is no David Ungar here, I do have a full 
bandwagon here available though one keeps fading in and out of his damn chair can't sit still he's so excited so we'll talk to some of the other people we brought on the bay i hear you i hear you but i'm going to introduce other people first i'm going to introduce I'm, I'm doing it i'm going to introduce a guy i haven't podcasted with now i hope he stays for the whole podcast today because the last time he was on the podcast he had to leave early unfortunately and then the last time i was on the pat then there was a time where i was on the podcast at the same time he was and i had to leave early so like life kept messing everything up but the reverend ray cash himself here on bandwagon nerds welcome back ray cash and i'm in such a good mood today that everybody gets claps welcome back sir it won't be for long trust me i just feel like you feel like we're gonna fight things work on this show <laughs> but i'm relaxed i am relaxed i am vacationed up i went to the beach i went to my first ever ball game at fenway park Watch the Cardinals the lose way, to the Red Sox. Don't bury the lead. You had like, like I did. I saw, I saw myself on on television. Yes, I uh, got the. Uh, so, we'll we'll talk about that in a second because we're we're gonna the first section is just POD is back, and, and so we'll do that. Let me let me introduce everybody else first. Another guy who has okay, been. It is good to see. It is. It's great to see you guys. You, you as well. Another guy I'm excited to have on the show at the same time as, as me, the voice of Chair Shot Radio. His special lady friend just told you about the Chairshot.com and to always use your head. The voice, the man himself, Christopher Platt. First Father's Day in the books. Welcome back to the bandwagon, and thank you for keeping the bandwagon going in my multiple absences. Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen, and thanks for having me. Um, Pat, I think the correct terminology for Amber is no longer a special lady friend. I believe it's baby mama, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think I, that's the uh, proper Keep it to it, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Stick with the first one. So, so here's where, but you know where special. Get your ass in here change now, kid. Now, do you know where special lady friend comes from? Because it's a pop culture reference. Is that, a, is that a, the ladies' man? No, it's Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski, when uh, he get he gets uh, tailed home from Monza, he's talking. He keeps talking about stop following my special lady friend, uh, and so that's that's where they came from. Everything, I I have no original content. I am just like, I'm just like filmmakers, right? Like I got nothing that's my own, and I'm willing to own that. Yeah, that's right. Can, can I tell Platt by the way? I appreciate that he he takes his own advice because he used his head. Yeah. That's good. Well done. Hold on. And and like I said, to its purposes. There you go. Well, and and here, by the way, I haven't seen you uh, again. It's it's been a hot minute. So welcome back to the show. And let's get to our last member of the bandwagon this week, Mister Saturday Night himself. My good friend on the five by five, PC Tony. Hi. Oh, wow. Are we, we going to start playing Pantera? I thought for sure. I thought for sure I was going to get a boo there. Uh, no, no, no boos today. Okay. All right. We'll see. We'll see about that. <laughs> we will. We'll see what we'll see what happens. But uh, anyway, yes. Yeah, so Ray, you you got into this uh, at the beginning. When you're talking about my vacation, yes, my vacation started a couple weeks ago. 
uh, I went to so the St. Louis Cardinals were in town for the for the Boston Red Sox, and I really like I haven't seen a, a live baseball game in over a decade, and haven't and, and that includes like my own team. Like I haven't seen I haven't been to a Cardinal game in, in any way, shape, or form since God I think before I moved out to New England. It was shortly after I like kind of had my own income and was able to buy stuff myself, and so I bought like third baseline tickets to watch the Cardinals get smoked by Tim Lincecum and the San Francisco Giants back when he was at the height of his powers. Like I think I think he carried a no hitter into the eighth or something. Like it was it was ridiculous. It was it was brutal. Something for the game too. He probably did, and more power to him because. When you can throw 900 miles an hour for three seasons, like you get paid and you get all the weed you want. So, but yeah, so I was um, I was trying to get somebody to go with me. I had a friend who was a big Red Sox fan, and I really wanted him to go too because I thought, oh hey, it'd be fun. The Red Sox fan and the Cardinal fan sit next to each other in the stands, like we could have whatever. Uh, and he was really wishy-washy about like going to the game. Kept being like, well, I'm on vacation that week too. Let me talk to my girlfriend. I think we'll be back and be able to do stuff. And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I keep bugging him. I keep bugging him. And finally, you, you just you know when a guy's going to flake and just not do it. And so one day, instead of being like, hey, man, do you want to do this? I, I just looked at him and be like, you're, you're not going to this baseball game with me, are you? He's like, probably not, dude. So I was like, okay. So I called another friend of mine who is kind of just game for anything. I was like, hey, let's do this. And I was like, can you recommend any secondary market site better than StubHub or SeatGeek? Because those places, like the markups are ridiculous. And he was like, why is, is like the game sold out or something? You know, it's a Friday, I don't know. I was like, no, it's not sold out. I just, if you usually know how to find deals. And he was like, no, no, there's good seats. And he shows me all these seats that are like, 200 bucks he's like Wrigley or not Wrigley he's like Fenway is one of those where you want to get good seats because the outfield seats suck they're like small wooden chairs because they were made back in the 20s and just just trust me on this so after going back and forth I got permission from the Mrs. O'Dowd to drop around 500 bucks and we got seats that were directly behind home plate first row after the three rows of VIP seats best seats I've ever had in my entire life at a baseball game. Cardinals lost, uh, but I was okay with it. I didn't care. Like I just wanted the experience of going to live, see live baseball. It was a lot of fun. And to be that close to a game was, was crazy. I had all these friends sending me pictures from Nesson of me uh, in my powder blue Cardinal Stam usual jersey watching the game. Uh, I got to see Nolan Gorman go yard, and it was the Friday game, and so it was the one where the Red Sox were up like six to one, and going into the ninth, and the Cardinals scored like three or four runs, and had Goldschmidt up with two outs and an opportunity to like tire take the lead, and then Goldschmidt struck out looking, and it was like, boy, it would have been nice had the offense showed up before then. You uh, you went to the wrong game that weekend, didn't you? I did. I did. No, we only we only won the with uh, Boston took two or three. Boston won the finale too, but Saturday, which was the other opportunity that I could have looked at into going, they did. They beat the they beat the hell out of them. Pujols played. Uh, it was like at, like the Ulster. And here's the other thing. I'm a big Neil Diamond fan. So and in the eighth, he showed up in the he showed up 
Yes. He had done that 15 years too. He showed up that Saturday. He showed up that Saturday, and I'm sitting there, and I was just like, God damn it. Who picked the wrong game? Ba, ba, ba. You did. You did. <laughs> but, I mean, here's the thing. Nobody knew that was going to happen. Uh, right. And here, and knowing Neil Diamond, he's suffering from Parkinson's disease. Like he's he is not in the best of shape. Uh, so it was a, it was a huge moment. I would have loved to have gone. You know, you just don't know. Um, you know, but that they also gave Albert Pujols. They they did the ceremony for Albert Pujols that Saturday for that game. I gave him the number five from the Fenway scoreboard. Like did all this great stuff, and I, I just picked the wrong day, but I didn't care. Because it was still fun. I drank lots of beers. Uh, I My buddy Matt was there. He drove. So I, I could kind of just do whatever. And like I did what I always do at a live baseball game. I bought a scorecard. And it was it was completely worth it. Um, then uh, the family and I, we packed up and we went to the beach for a week. We uh, did our annual trip to Cape Cod. Uh, but it will no longer be an annual trip to Cape Cod. Because next year, the O'Dowds are going... To Wisconsin. We are Wisconsin bound for the Wisconsin Dells. Water park capital of the world. And we've got plans. Um, the little O'Dowd is very into water parks. That is his jam. And he is he is stoked. He is so stoked. He is so ready to go. Um, just looking at videos. So completely worth it. And my next day off, I'll thank you, little O'Dowd. Um, my next day off does not come until uh, I uh, have jury duty in like three weeks. So awesome. Anyway, you do civic duty like and not just throwing it away and ignoring it like a normal person. Like, like, us, like we would. Let your wife know that one of those nights you're in the Dells, DP and I will be driving out to see you and buy you a drink or two. So. I've, I've already warned her about this possibility. So. <laughs> I'm not going to abduct your whole trip, but I think if you're okay with No, no. I, okay. Oh, she'll be fine with one thing, We'll drive out there. It's only two hours for us, and we'll probably just grab a room for a night and have a dinner or something if you're up for it so of course i'll be up for that i've already i already informed her that you know there are folks in the in wisconsin she's like well that's a big state i was like eh we'll see what they do so she I, all get, give me all the cheese curds and water slides you could find that's what we're gonna do sounds like a horrible combination dude you do not understand first the water slides and the than the cheese curds. It is the it is going to be the widest vacation since the Cape Cod vacation. So, I was about to say like Cape Cod's not exactly you know Harlem in circa 1986. So you know, <laughs> you, I you grew up in what central southern Illinois. Right? Central Illinois, yeah. Did you ever go vacation to the Dells as a kid? I've never been to the Wisconsin Dells in my life. The Mrs. Mrs. O'Dowd, her family up in the Chicagoland area. They used to vacation up in the Dells all the time, so that's that's the connection there. We're uh, we're probably going to have my sister-in-law up as well. It's going to be a good time, so I'm very very excited. The young man is going to thoroughly enjoy himself. I think the young man will absolutely enjoy himself. And the water parks, yeah, for sure. Right, absolutely. Is he still hiding? Yeah, Pat, you've told me multiple times, man, and I always forget. But what town in Illinois are you from again? 
So I grew up in a little town called Tuscola, which is all of about 4,000, 4,500 people strong. We are about 30 minutes south of Champaign-Urbana, where the University of Illinois was. My, my mother actually used to work for the University of Illinois when I was very, very young. So that's my connection to that school. Yeah. So you're on the other side of the state. No, the reason I ask is because, you know, uh, Amber, she's from Peoria. Oh, yeah. Very she's nice. Very nice. It's a few. It's a couple. Of, it's, 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 a, it's a little bit. Yeah. Peoria is north of us. Yeah. We're, um, we're what is called. Yeah. People forget Illinois is a really long state, like tall. Like it's like if you go from northern, like you go to Chicago down to the tip, it's an eight hour drive. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're driving to Wisconsin, by the way, from from Massachusetts. So 16 oh. hours of driving. Bad, actually. Pat, Pat Griswold in this melon farm. <laughs> Hell yeah. Flying's expensive, guys. Flying's expensive. It's not... Once you get through Indianapolis, it's a pretty pretty quick. It's only like four hours from Indianapolis. Right. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not sweating it. It's, it's no worse than what we've done before. But hey. Hey, it's fucking Pennsylvania's your problem right now. Right. So the other thing that happened while I was on vacation is that I certainly listened to the editions of Bandwagon Nerds that were on there. And let me just say, Bullshit. that's thechairshot.com. That my soundbite didn't work that I had just for this. So now that the moment's been ruined, we're going to try this again. I would like to thank the first go around for not working. Here's what I think is hilarious about listening to you guys do the show when I am not on the show. 30% of the show is POD's gonna be pissed about blah 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 blah. Like as if I'm sitting there, hate listening to the damn podcast, <laughs> being like, you sons of bitches are ruining everything. Aesop sitting there be like, sorry, P.O.D. You've had with the shows where you've been gone proves that us playing to you works. I'm just saying, I don't hate the show. I just, what I do, what I we love you and miss you when you're gone. So we exactly. The other thing I love is that Dave Ungar, when he hosts the show, um, he usually gets about 30 minutes before you guys take him over. Like, and then it's just poor Dave. Like, he's trying, he's trying really hard. And then you guys will talk about some like purple elephant penis dick slapping Barbara Streisand in the nose, and it's done. And, and that's the, and it's like, what just happened here? And, and it's not, uh, but you, you can hear yourself talking about it. I'm not naming the show that, of course. You know this. Here's you can always tell when I don't do the show uh, because, like, the title is is actually the titles weren't too bad. Tony's title was solid. Yeah, um, Aesop, I, I loved it. Uh, I no matter how Aesop had done when he hosted last week's show. By the way, I was going to rag him for it just because it's funny, uh, but at least he tried. Like, and he tried really hard, and I thought you know he did what he could do. Um. Honestly, I'll, we're going to talk about the boys, obviously, uh, episode six, which has really been the focus of some stuff, um, or focus of the program while I've been out because it's back on. Uh, I I know 
Tony would like to watch multiple shows and review multiple shows. I don't even know if he started Umbrella Academy yet or if he's not touched it, but that's that's coming. We're almost done, but I, we can't not talk about the boys. That's There's a lot going on in this last episode that we just watched. Uh, we're not going to go to the trailer park, but I brought. I have a special guest. I already I already mentioned this. We have a special guest for the show. It's a mystery guest. It's a surprise for the three of you, uh, and so I, I hope you enjoy the time we have with this guest when we bring them in. Uh, and I have two secret topics that we're actually going to talk to them about. And so, that them. I'm not going to give you a, a gendered pronoun to figure it out. They them pronouns today. Well, them is plural to me, so I don't know what to tell you. Uh, they, them can be used in the singular sense as well. Yeah, I, um, I, was born, I was born in like 1234, so... 1234. You know, hither, here, things. Hither, hither to unheard of. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Haberdashery. Haberdashery. <laughs> Balderdash. <laughs> like Jackson hundreds. There you go. We will we will be talking about a couple of things that uh, a couple of news pieces that came out of the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, including one huge announcement. We're gonna bitch about Game of Thrones a little bit, and then I I'm sorry we're gonna get a, we're gonna get a little political. Uh, sorry, not sorry. We're gonna get a little political at the end of the show because I don't feel like we can avoid talking about what happened this past week uh, out of the Supreme Court. And it has some serious. I think I think it may have some real world implications to the entertainment industry uh, as folks react to, particularly the decision on Friday regarding Roe versus Wade. But before we get to any of that, let's get into the much anticipated sixth episode of The Boys, season three, the Hero Gasm episode. It's been talked about since it was announced that they were going to do this as an episode based on the depravity out of the issue that it's that it's is the source material. Um, but I got I got to be honest, and maybe it was because it was built up by so many people, and and I got to go check the, the I got to go read the issue itself because I've never actually read the issue. I was expecting more. Uh, I was expecting. To be disturbed more than I was actually disturbed by the hero orgy itself. And so for those of you who, the uninitiated who haven't been watching The Boys, shame on you. But the the episode centers around uh, Homelander, um, shoot, I'm going to, Homelander uh, coming uh, to Herogasm to confront Soldier Boy who is there to go after these twins, TNT from his former team. Soldier Boy is accompanied by Huey and Butcher, who are there. Stop. What, what are you doing? I haven't messed up a name yet. Get all the names. You're doing really good. Right. So, well, there's just there's three different groups showing up. So you got Homelander, who's showing up to confront Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy is going to the Herogasm to take out TNT as former members of his team that sold him out. He is accompanied by Butcher and Huey. Then you have Starlight, who's accompanied by Mother's Milk, who Mother's Milk is there because he really wants to confront and fight Soldier Boy, kind of get his Butcher level re revenge, which he calls Butcher out on his hypocrisy for not letting him fight Soldier Boy. And um, 
but they're there to actually kind of save lives out of Hero Gasm because they know that the collateral damage is not going to be limited to TNT, the former members of the team. And of course, everything just goes completely wrong. We do get one of the most anticipated fights I think we've been waiting for out of this between Homelander, all those Soldier Boys involved, Homelander, a powered up Butcher, a powered up Huey, and, a, and Soldier Boy that gets to the point where Homelander has to flee. Um, and we see what I think is probably my least favorite part of, of the boys season three, because I feel like it's redundant. Once again, Huey and, um, and Starlight are being pulled apart. That's been every single fucking season of the show. Huey and Starlight get together. They kind of get pulled apart. They get pulled. They, it's happened all three seasons. They get pulled apart in some way, shape or form. Like something comes between them. They, they, one or the other can't decide whether or not they want to be together. Um, is this the you know is this the final cotton nail in their relationship or will we do it all again in seasons four? I don't know. Um, it's just a redundancy that drives me nuts because I feel like I've seen it before. Uh, but that is a minor quibble out of what I would say is a solid episode. And and poor mother's milk. Uh, he gets to be the one with all the bodily fluids thrown on him. Why the black man got to keep getting skeeted on? Like I, you know, I wasn't gonna say it, but yeah. Twice now. Yep. What's up? And on that note, Ray, your thoughts on the Hero Gasm episode? Um. Uh, well, let's let's hand, let's talk about the love sausage in the room. The Hero Gasm <laughs> was it was it was daunting, quite. Um, I've read some uh, interviews from the showrunner talking about how they had to run things up the chain for Amazon so it wouldn't get, get like taken off um, and, and you know what they did what they wanted to do I felt like I was watching like um, a streaming version of Caligula those are <laughs> um, but no but it was it was it was hilarious it was random I love the off-kilter comment that Soldier Boy was like I created this at 52 <laughs> right it's so random this is my idea but I like I love when you have a reverence covering serious things. You mentioned Mother Milk was there. Mother's Milk was there trying to kill, trying to kill Soldier Boy. Annie was there trying to save people. Right, like real things were happening as this was going along, and all around this a reverence that you know manifests itself in all the C-list heroes. And like, I get why the deep was there, but A Train just popped up. I know, right? Well. He was there looking for uh, old boy. Um, I, I can't remember oh, his name. Oh, that's right, Blue Dirty Hawk. bastard. Blue right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good point. Right. Yeah, he was there. He was there with and he. I mean, he fucked that dude up. Well, I mean, I you know I don't want to bring up really shitty stuff, but it really invoked the old James Bird dragging. Yeah, I, I think that. I mean, I don't think that's an accident. Like, I, I don't at all. I, I think I'll that. You know, when you look at what these showrunners have done, and they've they've been very clear about it, it's it's fascinating to me um, that people haven't put together that Homelander is Donald Trump, like that 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 the, that the showrunners had to actually like do an interview where they were like they're fascinated that they're sitting there like no this is Don like this is straight up Donald Trump like we are making Homelander Donald Trump and that go ahead pardon me man I apologize I no 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 worries so early. 
but I think it's a testament to the uh, how dope the show is and how clear and crisp and intelligent that the writing is. Because, I mean, it's not a huge secret that they're taking things from the culture and, and incorporating them into the show, but they're able to do it in a way that it, it, it's not heavy-handed and it's not preachy. And I think really it's just, yeah, it's, it's a testament to, to the writing on this show. Uh, you brought up A-Train. I was about to call you Alfred. I apologize, Ray. But you brought up A-Train. I mean, I, no, I, the, Alfred. the nuance in his character. Not even nuance. Paper boy, Jesus. paper boy. All about that paper. That is paper that why you boy. call me Alfred? That's hilarious, by the way. But I mean, just, I mean, number one, A-Train's a sucker. But even that, man, that brings very true to life. And Ray, you can, you can back me up on this as well, because that character arc is very prevalent within the black community whenever there's a yeah whenever there's a, a celebrity whose uh, starlight starts to fade and you know they're not popping anymore all of a sudden they come back around and reinvent themselves as, as baby malcolm x to try to remain some you know maintain yeah. some sort of relevancy they'd be at the BET awards all of a sudden like nah son you don't even know what channel it's on to that point um but a train's arc this season has been really interesting to me given that he can't fight anymore um the the a train to africa bullshit we all know that was bullshit right him getting it's one thing if he gets sunned by homelander everybody does but he got sunned by ashley you know what i'm talking about he was like i bet huey sunned him to the point where he finally realized you know dog i was wrong i apologize and like it's it, his arc is very interesting to me and of course we talked about the the kendall jenner kendall jenner pepsi commercial last week Shout out to the deep and imagine this week. That was right. Crazy. That was I, I and all of the cameos they got for that. By the way, fantastic. That was fantastic. that was genius. That was terrific, terrific work. I'm glad you brought up that moment between A Train and Huey because I don't think Huey was ready for what A Train did. I think now though, right? He was like, we can actually fight now, right? And, and Huey is really his his spiral is. is very interesting to me as the uh it's the he is the fragile white guy he's a fragile white guy who like doesn't feel like he, he like he believes himself to be marginalized and is so insecure in himself he is he's so it's a perception it's not a, it's not a real marginalization let me let me be real okay I just, I, 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 so to your point yes you can see that perceived but if you look at just what's happened in the show, the right. show opened with his girlfriend being killed in front of him. Oh, no, absolutely. Like, he has been screwed over, over and over. And oh, I, I don't disagree with that. But I also don't think he's looked at where he's been. Or, like, where how far he's come. And you look at where he is at the start of this, mo at the start of this movie, the start of this season. He's... He's in a place, and yeah, he's disillusioned by what happens, and he's like, oh my god, there's just no way to get around it. But that moment where he actually resents his girlfriend because she has powers is that idea of perceived marginalization. It's, it's an insecure white guy. That's, that's what I saw out of him there, and, and it was very telling. And it was, honest to God, like how reflective... And I don't even think it's intentionally. Like, they didn't know what was going to happen the week before this episode dropped. And now you've got an insecure insecure white dude in a relationship with a woman who's who's empowered and, and wants to have some autonomy. And he's sitting there trying to be like, I can protect you. And I can do... Like, it's fascinating the way that worked out. Two more quick points and I'll pass it on because there's so much to talk about in this episode. Right. Um, real quick, Kamiko, did she get her powers back? 
We don't know. She's just a dog, I think. I think she's just a savage. Well, she is a dog, but like she's she's um, feral. She's feral, to, you know. She she signed a Frenchie that I don't have my powers, and I still did that. So that's who I really am. You remember that but part? Right, I do. But what I'm talking about is some of the blows she was taking would would not affect a, would affect a regular person differently than affecting her. Right, she was getting punched in her wound like over and over and over again. You know what I'm saying? And she's just chilling, right? So she may not realize they're back yet. Um, I don't know. We'll see next week. I mean, you know, shout out to the Love Sausage. Secondly, um, look, and you, no. um, Do me me flag after the fight again so you can go hug your pillow? Look, man, look, I'm only here like once every two months, dog. Like, can't we all get along? Um, (laughs) But it's fun. I don't get to fuck with you ever, so that was just a little bit. Love you. All right, go ahead. Make another point. The other one, I'm going to pass this back on to you, Patrick, because I think you can expound on this maybe a little better than I can. But um, we know the whole game that happened between him and Starlight, where he fell in love with her, but he was like, I love you, but I can't rock with your Nazism, even though I probably agree with it. This episode, when he did the magic mirror on the wall thing, his subconscious said, we're going to make you pure. And I caught that. And I was like, now I know you mean pure in terms of, like, superhero. But that's way too on the nose to not be noticed. Oh, yeah, that's that's Master Race bullshit. That's that's the whole thing. Homelander's not a Nazi. He's not even a white supremacist. He's a Homelander supremacist. He's He's not smart enough to be any of those things. He's just unbelievably insecure and unbelievably powerful. Period. And like a certain former president that makes a lot of news. And that's and that again, and this is coming straight from the showrunners and creators. Like they are saying that this is their perce- that Homelander and the way they're writing Homelander is their perception of the former president. So I, I'm not putting words into somebody else's mouth. This is what they're saying. No, I hear you. I, yeah. I think uh, you guys pretty much covered everything. The one thing I'll add that we didn't really touch on is the fact that, you know, I, I there's one character here that in Victoria who is extremely powerful, so much so that after a confrontation with Starlight, don't think that that nosebleed had nothing to do with Victoria. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She knew what was up. She yeah, knew yeah. exactly what was yeah, up. Yeah. That, was, that was the warning shot. There's eight different things going for Homelander. Let's see what happens at the end here. Speaking of, Starlight also gets the picture that she can send to Homelander whenever she wants of the deep and his octopus, if you will. Yeah, that's his his octopus fetish is fascinating. Um, shoot, you, you're you're. Well, you mentioned something. There was something else that you mentioned in there. Actually, go ahead, Platt, because I lost. There was something that Tony said that, and now I've lost where I was going. So go ahead. So, couple, well, so just real quick, because you you jumped the line here, uh, Mr. Tunney. But uh, just real quick. He's barely spoken, so, you know. Yeah, and the less the better. Like, less is more with Tunney. (laughs) (laughs) No, but uh, going back, imagine, man, you're just off. You're going to your annual orgy, just trying to freak off a little bit. (laughs) And now you're dead. (laughs) And now now you're dead. Get your prostate check. Shut up, brother. I'm just saying, man, and now you're dead. Like, that's a fucked up way to go. There, there it was it was most unfortunate. Oh, yeah. that's the best way to go. Like, think ten seconds. No, that's the best way to go, but <laughs> the guy who can get really small and climbed into the guy's dick earlier in the season, Termite. and he's all 
Yeah, and he's all tiny and burnt on the outside because he lost his powers and he can't really make himself bigger. And Homelander just walks up and steps on him. Oh, that was wow. That was that was something special. Um, Apropos, absolutely. Talked about. I wanted to double back to Huey real quick because this is a point that I made on these airwaves. I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, but I, I talked. To he him. said that he was going to fuck it up. Yeah, he was going to schmuck it up because at his core, he's a schmuck. And lo and behold, what he do? He let personal situations get in the way of what he was there to do. Because of that little hangup he had with um with the uh, A train, it gave Starlight an opportunity to run into him, and then shit just got further schmucked. After that, because he is the a schmuck at his The three minutes that he gave, that Soldier Boy gave him, ran out of time. You're right. Was, exactly. Exactly. And Soldier Boy for having whiskey dick, for not being able to get rid of the fucking Homelander there. Yeah, and right. The thing about Homelander is like, y'all had him right where you wanted him. You, you had him dead to rights. And now you've just pissed him off even but more. There, but so there was a conversation with Huey and Soldier Boy in the uh, apartment, no, the hotel room. And he, when. He finally said what happened. He was like, I don't know what happened. It just happened. I blacked out 10 minutes. I didn't mean to kill nobody. I'm not a bad guy. And so clearly something thing when something triggers him, his power comes that that little chest shit comes out, that that havoc s shit comes out. He can't control it. Very clearly he can't. Yeah. Very clearly he can't control it, which I think Huey, even though he is a schmuck, caught on to early. Yep. So yeah, I, it'll schmuck. Right. It'll it'll be interesting to see where that where that progresses. I remember the two things that I wanted to talk about. First of all, Black Noir knows he's in some shit, and, and so he took out his chip and he is figuring himself out. He is going to play a pivotal role, pivotal role in how this season ends. You just you just know it. Um, and two. Somewhere <laughs> and, and two, hey, fuck it. We could talk about Wong in the MCU all day, by the way. Most powerful character in the MCU, anyway. I know you're talking about other shit. The other thing that's going on, him and R2D2 and Black Noir. There you go, we got them all. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. I'm gonna triple down. I am gonna triple down, but no, what I am gonna finish with though is Annie quit. Um, Starlight quit, left the, uh, left the seven and did it in a big, I'm going to be a, a truth viral truther all the way through. And so that was, I think a very, very big deal. And yeah, it'll be interesting. Where does she go next? It's interesting to me that her her being Annie pronouns pal and Mother's Milk clicked up because they're really the those two characters are the moral center of the show. Mm -hmm. the, you know, Frenchie's starting to come around, but they're really the only two decent human beings in the entire universe, in well, my Frenchie, humble opinion. Frenchie was always decent too. It's just Frenchie very clearly since he was a little kid, if you listen to, to little Nina, has this complex where he's easily controlled. Mother's Milk isn't so much controlled as he... Scarred. Right, well, he's very scarred, but even last week, uh, Butcher explained to him, like, I'm the, I'm the hammer and chisel, but you're the mother of... That's why we call you Mother's Milk, because you're the one that keeps us all together and comes in and fixes things. So he had that sense of... That twisted sense of loyalty. Frenchie, do what you say. And that's, he's been like that since he was a little kid. He can't help that. 
But Frenchie clearly is a good dude because, again, the se- at the beginning of the series, season one, or maybe season two, when he didn't kill, when he uh, didn't kill who he was supposed to kill. And that's the right. thing he killed the kid. Like, and that's scarred him so much. Frenchie's a good dude. He is a good dude. And I think that um, you saw that, you know, play through at the end of this episode. And uh, I wanted to go back. I think this was a question. I can't remember which episode it was of the three of you. And it may not have been the three of you. I can't remember where you were asking about the nature of Frenchie and Kamiko's relationship. I think when they found, I think when, last week, I think when he found her, when they found her, it was very much a caretaker familial sort of relationship. I feel it has evolved and changed. I feel like there's been a lot of good, positive character development for Frenchie. Go ahead. This this relationship has run the gambit because Frenchie was attracted to her without being able to go for her because he is involved. And then she was now, you realize, always attracted to Frenchie but could never want it to make a move because of her powers. She lost her right. powers, made her... And now we're good. That's the, that's the spectrum of that relationship. For so sure. it is It is really developed. And it'll be interesting to see where it goes when she gets her powers back, because I do think that's happening. Like, whether it has actually happened or has not... Sorry, I told... Really funny thing. Watched... I totally looked behind me, seeing a door close and somebody else's screen. I'm like, what, who's leaving the room? Um, good podcasting right there. Okay. We've got a few episodes left. We're all, we're, we're almost to the low point of this team before they all come back together. Uh, Amazon usually wraps up the climactic action in episode eight before you get a denouement episode in episode nine. I look forward to seeing it in next week. Is it, is it 10 episodes or is it nine? I thought it was nine. Eight. It's nine. Okay. Eh, one way or the other, it's almost we're we're coming we're coming close to the end. Tony's going to do that thing where he looks it up and corrects me anyway. While he does that, we are going to take our first commercial break, and when we come back, we are going to have a guest, uh, a special secret guest that only I know about, and we're going to talk about two topics that again only I know about. And so, all right, eight episodes, and when we come back. We're going to not worry about those last two episodes that we got in front of us because what we're going to do is we're going to do a little bit of interviewing. So stay tuned. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right, welcome back. Three quarters of the bandwagon in the house. Christopher Platt will come back uh, as we do that uh, commercial break business. So I told you guys while we were gone, I listened intently to the show and uh, caught on to a couple of news items that you, uh, you you covered. And one of the ones that really caught my attention was you talked about the uh, reviews of the movie Lightyear and the fact that it got like a 78 on Rotten Tomatoes. And there was this big conversation about, you know, how does, what does this mean for Pixar and all that? And it got me to thinking... What if we talked to a member of the core audience and asked them what they thought? And so I worked really hard, got a hold of this person's uh, representation, uh, worked out our schedules, looked things up, and for the first time ever on the Bandwagon Nerds podcast, I'd like to welcome the little O'Dowd, who is going to join. Say hello in the microphone, little O'Dowd. Hi. Now, can everybody hear the little O'Dowd just fine? This is going to be interesting. We're going to trade chairs here in a second so that you can actually see his face. And I'm going to give him the headset after I ask him a couple of questions and get his opinion so that you guys can ask him questions. But we have two topics we're actually going to cover today. because We're going to talk a little bit of Lightyear because we went and saw it yesterday. And let me tell you, I thought it was quite good. I, thought it, I actually really enjoyed the movie. And two... We're going to talk a little bit of Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan finished up and this guy didn't just like sort of half watch the episodes like he like he sometimes when I put something on streaming sometimes he'll like watch a little bit and then go to like his Kindle and KB pop in here and there. No. Every time we did a first run episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the little O'Dowd was there to watch it. And so I would love you guys to be able to ask him questions about this. And so what I'm going to do that's why um, I was talking to Tony before we started the show. I was trying to do it with the speaker so that I could hear everybody. We could hear the questions. But that's just not going to work. And so first, little O'Dowd, hop in the big chair. And I will hop in the little chair. Little O'Dowd is in the big chair. This is a big moment for him. He's got to turn and face the camera, get in a little closer. Now, first of all, Let's go over the names of everybody you're going to be looking at. This here on the right, that's Ray Cash. What's up, Ray? What's up, little O'Dowd? That's what he asked you. He can't hear you because I got the headset. Yeah. Hi. Down below him is the voice of Chair Shot Radio, Mr. Christopher Platt. One second. Hey, what's going on, big fella? How you feeling today? I'm feeling good. 
That's good. Good to have you on, man. Nice to meet you. And last but not least, nice to meet you too. Last but not least, directly below us, that is Mr. Saturday Night himself, PC Tunney. Big fan of Saturday Night Live. How you doing, little man? Good. All right, I'm gonna take the headset back for a second. Simpsons fan. Yeah. I right, am. We'll talk about that another day. I like that. All right, so I'm going to take the headset back, and I'm going to ask the little O'Dowd a couple of questions before I hand it over to you. Tony, you don't call little fella little fella. You call him big fella, man. No, he's the That's little like O'Dowd. I, I'm the big O'Dowd. Yeah. He's the little O'Dowd. Yeah, but he's the big fella. That's like you call well, a fat dude tiny. You know what I mean? <laughs> don't start with me. Yeah, he's, try, he's trying to... We're both done right now. Yes, he's 10. Give him a break. All right. So, I mean, Platt's going to get it because the kid can't hear me right now. All right. So, little O'Dowd, first thing I'd like you to do, last week on this show, these guys talked about the movie Lightyear and how people have been reviewing it not quite as positively as other ones. So, before we get into what you think about that, why don't you tell us, how did you like the movie and what was some of the best parts of Lightyear that you saw? Make sure you talk in the microphone. So what did you like? Or did you like it? Did you like the movie? Let's start with that. Yes, I did like the movie. I think it was a good movie. Okay. What was what was what were some of your favorite parts? What were your highlights? Well, one Buzz was revealed to be the bad guy as well as the good guy. Spoiler alert. It blows your mind. Um <laughs> we're, you know, we're not spoiler really free is. here. It's all good. He continues right, the tradition. Right. Well done. Right. Now, Bandwagon Nerds is not spoiler free, so it's totally cool that you, you spoiled the big reveal. What was something else? What was your favorite character in in the in the show, in the movie, and why? I cannot decide. You can't decide? Well, then name a couple of them. Like, everybody, everybody that, like... Basically everybody. Basically everybody. What did you think of Socks the Cat? Funny. Funny? What were some of the best things about Socks the Cat? Beep, boop, beep, boop. I can't decide. You can't decide? Well, what were some of the things you told me yesterday that you liked about him? What were some of the things he could do that you thought were awesome? Well, one, he, he, <laughs> he has a torch inside of him as well as he can blow darts. Blow darts, and what do those darts do? Uh, they make it so that somebody can't really do anything, so paralyze them for like five minutes. Five minutes. Now, what was one of the big things that kept happening in the movie that you thought was kind of cool? Where, what kept happening to Buzz when he tried to hit warp speed? He kept like going to the future a few years. Yeah. And from time dilation. From time dilation. Very, very good. And did you think that the story was... What What did you think of the story? Did you think it was a well-told story? Did you, did you think it was... You called it... You said it was a mix of a different type... A couple of different types of things. What did you... What did you say? I don't remember what we were talking about in the car yesterday. Well, was it like... Was it like an action? Was it a comedy? Do you remember... It was a mix of action, comedy, and basically everything. Basically everything. And Except as a, as a kid, what did you think of the movie? I think it was a good movie. Yeah. Uh, 
I could actually understand what was happening. You could actually understand what was happening. That's good. How did the other kids in the theater react? Well, they clapped. They clapped when the movie was over? Yeah. So, what do you think about these critics who are saying this movie wasn't very good and that people shouldn't go see it? I think they're wrong. You think they're wrong? Yeah. Why do you think they're wrong? Like, it's a lot of reasons. Basically. A lot of reasons? Give me, give me two. It's funny. It's funny. And it has a lot of action. Yeah, we're, you said that you, you liked the, um, what was it? The explosions. Yeah, a lot of good explosions. All right, so here's what I'm going to do now. I'm going to actually see if these guys want to ask you any questions and opinions. I'm going to give you the headset back and let you listen to them, see if they have any questions for you before we talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi, okay? Before he gets the headset back, I'm just curious, like, the good buzz and the bad buzz. Like, did Chris Evans play, play, play the good buzz light year, and then Tim Allen was the bad buzz light year? Or well, how I, exactly I can, did that go down? I don't think that happened. I'll, let me ask you a question. I'll, I'll explain it to you, by the way, Black. Okay. Did you, so, you've seen the original Toy Story movies, right? Yeah. Did you like Buzz Lightyear better in this movie, or did you like him better when he was in the Toy Story movies? Definitely this movie. This one? Did you just, like, he was uh, more fun to watch, he just did cooler things, or you just kind of saw more of his personality? I think he was more fun to watch. Okay. Sounds good. And I also don't really like Toy Story that much. Okay. Fair. So you like this really? different way of story telling the story as opposed to the way they did it before? Yeah. Cool. What, what was it about Toy Story that you didn't like? Because I, I enjoyed those three movies. Mm, I just didn't like it. Okay, fair enough. So, uh, LOD, I've actually seen but the Lightyear movie. So I have uh, a daughter who's a year older than you, and I have a daughter that's 14. So we go and see all these movies, and I'm usually the one of all of us that enjoys the Pixar or the Disney movies. So um, two quick things. Can I tell you my favorite part of the movie? Yes. I've got the pin! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll catch that. Um, so here's my question for you. Um, I know you've seen Toy Story, you may not like Toy Story, but there was a lot of weird feelings about this because this movie wasn't about the toy, but was about the person that the toy was made from, right? So what I found interesting was in this movie, it's a kind of about people who make mistakes a lot, but don't give up and finally push through and you end up being a hero. How did you think about that? What did you think about that kind of idea and how that affected Buzz's journey, given that we know him as a hero, but he wasn't quite yet? Overall, I think it was a good way of telling the story. Um, I mean, it sells how he became a hero, which is partially why the movie is good, in my opinion. Right. Completely agreed. Also, that crystal was really cool once they made, once they finally they figured it out. 
And went to, what was it, hyperspeed or hyperdrive? I think, right? I think it was hyperspeed. Yeah, that was really cool. I, I really liked the movie, too. Oh, and to, and to answer your question, Platt, um, Buzz is trying, they end up getting stuck on a planet that doesn't like them. It's got, like, a lot of dangerous stuff. So Buzz keeps trying to go back into the back in the past so he can get them out, but he keeps going in the future. And uh, eventually he finds out that when he gets to the end, when he finally figures out how to get into hyperdrive to get where he wants to go, he's so far back in the in the future that his best friend is unfortunately she's passed away. Um, and they're controlled by these these kind of robots that are trying to destroy everything. Turns out it's Buzz from that timeline who came back and figured it out, but tried. To, but the new guy in charge tried to arrest him. So he said, well, I just found this technology. I'm just going to take over. It's you, you have to see the movie, but it's mm. really good, and it's worth watching. I mean, do you think so... If I were to ask you to give the movie a one between a, between a one and a ten, LOD, a yeah. ten being the best movie you've ever seen, a one being how your dad feels about the rise of Skywalker. <laughs> what would your favorite? What would, what number would you give it in terms of how much you liked it? A nine or a ten. Hey, oh I'm with wow! You. wow I'm with you, brother. Right. I'm with you. It's a really good movie. Wow, it's that good. I might have to go watch it now because you think it's that good. I, I value your opinion. Good answers, by the way. You're doing really good at this. Yeah. I, I don't trust yeah. these faces you're making. Actually, uh, are you available next week? Can we get rid of your dad? Yeah. You <laughs> just, just ask him to take, teach you how to do the voice meter thing, and you, you've got the job, kid. You're I'm come up with a list of chores for him to do on Sunday, and you can come on. And... The student has become the teacher. Mm-hmm. All right, you all are making him laugh, so I know you guys have run out of questions on, on, on Lightyear. We are going to shift gears, and we're going to talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi real quick, too, because you really liked Obi-Wan Kenobi as well. Um, first off, I loved the last episode. I watched it twice. I've already watched it twice. Um, did all three of y'all watch it, or was it just... Tony did. Any of it yet, but it, I'm, I've been so busy and, and every other stuff. I will watch like all of it and binge it within the next month. All right, so... It sounds like only me and PC Tony have watched it, so we're going to be the ones who will probably ask you the questions. But first, um, what? And you? Yes, yes, you of course. Yes, thank you. You called me out already. I feel you. You feel seen. Um, start with what did you? What was your? What was? What was your favorite part? Because you liked it, right? Like you enjoyed Obi Wan Kenobi very much. Um, nod. They can't hear you. You got to say yes uh, and stuff into the microphone. But what were some of your highlights from Obi Wan Kenobi? What did you what, what did you like? The part where the what was it like the sixth sister? Yep. Didn't kill fifth. Luke. Fifth. Didn't yep. kill Luke. Was yep. nice. Yeah. I like that part. That's very cool. What did you think about the battle between Darth Vader and Obi Wan in the last episode? I think, like. <laughs> It was okay. It was okay? It was a lightsaber battle. It was a lightsaber battle? What's or, your favorite part of Star Wars? Like, just like any. 
Yeah, like out of all of Star Wars, what's your favorite part of Star Wars? The Clone Wars TV show. The Clone Wars TV show, and why is that? It focused less on Jedi and more, you know. On? Like, the troops. The troops. What do you collect more than anything out of Star Wars stuff? Clone Wars. Clone Wars, and specifically? Clone Troopers. Yeah, tell everybody what your goal is with Lego minifigures. <laughs> to get a giant army of them. He wants a giant army of clone troopers. <laughs> so I'm going to let these guys ask you a couple more questions about Star Wars related stuff. And then we're going to let you go because I know you got a really busy schedule of Lego Dimensions and um, Kindle in front of you to play today. Right? This is really important. <laughs> and you want to stay yeah. on schedule. So I'm going to give you the headset back and I'm actually going to trust... God help me. I'm going to trust these two for a moment with the little O'Dowd to ask you some Star Wars questions. Anything they want to ask you while I step away. And when I come back, that'll be the end of the interview, okay? All right. We're, we're, trust me, we're, we're, we're going to be, we're going to have fun. Uh, so I haven't seen Obi-Wan Kenobi yet, um, but I've heard it's good. But you it's, said something that made me. You said something that made me think. What is it about the Jedi or the Sith that doesn't interest you as much as the clones and the stormtroopers? And like the rebels and the droid army and stuff. Yeah, and any of it. What What is it about that other stuff that you like better than the Jedi? Well, one, the Jedi barely ever die. True. But like. When you have armies, they have a lot of, like, it's, there's actual kind of stakes. Yeah. Instead That's of, point. instead of this, these Jedis, you can block every blaster bolt and kill, kill and slash and blah, blah, blah. And this Sith that don't really win anyways. So you like more believability about the actual battle as opposed to being able to do all this miraculous stuff, right? Yeah. What did I you agree. think? Let me let me go a little bit different direction. Let's go to Obi-Wan, right? And mm -hmm. what did you think of the little girl who played Princess Leia? Because she was a really important part of the entire story. Well, I think that little girl played... Princess the young Leia well. And you think she was too smart or too confident for how old she was, or you kinda know that hey man, like us kids we can get stuff done too. The character makes it more believable that she can do everything that happens. Like if it was a regular kid, it, then it would be less so. Right, but she's Anakin's daughter, right? So she's got to be feeling a little bit of the Force. Yeah. So of all of Star Wars, my favorite character of all of Star Wars was Darth Maul. I just thought he was the coolest thing. He had the two, the, both the lightsaber on both ends. I just thought he was so cool. Who is your favorite character of all of Star Wars? Or do you have a favorite character? 
I guess I'd go with Anakin Skywalker. Oh, so before he becomes Darth, just Anakin. Yeah, just Anakin. Like, like Phantom Menace Anakin, where he's doing the pod races and everything? No, once he's older than a kid. Okay, so but oh, not he's learning from before Vader. Okay, so you, so your two of your favorite movies are probably what two and three, the Clone Wars, obviously, right? Yes. And then what is the what's the third one again? Um, Phantom Menace, Clone Wars, and Attack of the Clones. Attack yes. Of the Clones. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. So then this was really a, fills in a nice gap for you after a couple of your favorite movies to see what happened between. Anakin and Obi-Wan. Um, are you a Fortnite guy or no? No. Oh, they got the Obi-Wan guy on there. That's why I was going to ask you. So, Are you an Obi-Wan fan or no? Not too much, but a little. Really? Not what, about what about Mandalorian? Do you like the Mandalorian? I didn't really watch the Mandalorian. Okay. Okay. Now, have you seen the the first three Star Wars with uh, Luke Skywalker and, and all of them? I'm sure you have because I know yes. you're father, but have you? Because it, yes. it's funny that yes. you said it. It's funny to me that you said Anakin was your favorite because when I was your age, Luke Skywalker was my favorite. And then as I got older, I started to relate a little bit more to the uh, the Han Solo character. So that 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 was interesting to me. Last question for you, but. Um, the Obi-Wan series, really good. Do you want to see more stories told in between the big movies of things that you don't know about, or do you want to see what happens continuing the story forward? I think it'd be better if they clear up what's going on in between the movies rather than, yeah. like, this next thing that happens and not clearing up what happens in between before that happens. Can, can I answer. tell you... Can I tell you something? I want to thank you for doing this because I, I understand it can be a little scary and a little weird, but you did great. Like you're a natural yeah. at this. So thank you for talking to us today. We really appreciate thank it. You. Truly. And it's thanks nice for classing up the joint a little bit. Yeah, like, you made it. You made it cooler today. We'll get rid of your dad at some point so you can come in and host. Okay, no worries. <laughs> Good job, Talk man. Talk to mom about that. I'm sure she can help you out and find something for dad. All right. Well, thank you very much for taking some time out of your busy schedule today, little O'Dowd. Enjoy the rest of the day on your Kindle or playing Lego Dimensions on my PlayStation 4. A game he hasn't played, thanks, and not bad for a 10-year-old on his podcasting debut. Uh, there you have it, folks. The little O'Dowd giving you his opinions on Obi-Wan, Star Wars, and Lightyear. And the thing that I just found really interesting out of going to Lightyear with him, he he decided on a whim. Like, he's, he watched a trailer or two while we were on vacation, and he was like, I, I think I want to see this. And, like, when saw it, and I don't, I don't know what people wanted out of that movie, but it's, in my opinion, it's better than Cars um, I, and, and that series and, their, and the Plane series, and it's... It's a quality movie, so it it did its job. Listen, the fact that, and I didn't know this when we talked about this, um, is that they told the story of the person who the character is made of, 
And I said, well, if they're going to do Woody, they got to do the same thing. They have to tell the story of the cowboy who is made into Woody and use Tom Hanks to narrate that, whereas Tim Allen is, you know... You've spoken nuclear. into existence, because apparently that, I think that's being developed. Like I'm right, like well... Sheriff Woody you, you can do three of those. And don't feel and don't feel too bad for Tim Allen as the Santa Claus series is going to be hitting Disney Plus soon, and his ass is on that show. So, yes, Lightyear do at the box office, by the way. Not as well as other Pixar movies have. Here's here's the thing. It was really interesting. It's not even that it's that Buzz Lightyear is a real person. The the movie opens with a caption that says, "In 1994." Andy went and saw, you know, Andy, what's his name, went and saw a movie that, that you know, I, that was his favorite, that, that showed his favorite hero, Buzz Lightyear. This is that movie. So basically what they're saying is that you're watching the movie that Andy watched to, to become a fan of Buzz Lightyear. And so that caption was all I needed for that show, for that movie to make sense. Like, so Sure. So not even that it, it was based on a, a real person, per se. This was just the movie that the toy came from. Right, exactly. And, and you know, I don't know. I haven't read anybody's, like, opinions or, or reviews of, like, what they thought of the movie. Like, nobody nobody gives a shit. Where, like, Zerg having a backstory. Like, who cares? It had no backstory until this movie. Right? Um, and it was it was fun. Like, it had a... It had the typical Pixar life lesson stuff, and, and it was good. And It was a very enjoyable movie, but also, right. too, again, in the world we live in, um, two black women were, major, were majorly important to the, to the plot. Right. The, the, the secondary main character was in a same-sex relationship that they highlighted. Right. There was a lot of things outside of the actual story that were important to see in a Disney Pixar movie. You don't which see. which reminds me. Um, I wanted to ask if you noticed because I was I assumed that you had seen Lightyear, uh, Ray. Just just because I know yeah. you. Um, did you notice the number on um, the young woman, um, the the granddaughter on her Izzy. her uniform? Izzy, I did not. Was it forty two? Which one? It's forty two. For a Jackie. That's what I took from it. I, I, I just, like, I, I, I couldn't get that out of my head. I was like, and she's, you know, part of the first group of the next generation of Space Rangers. So... This movie proves to me... I'm sorry, last last thought. This sure. It proves to me what I think Hollywood is realizing. The more Taika Waititi. Yes. Taika can, can write his own damn check. Um, and should. Here... Uh, just a couple of other last thoughts on Obi-Wan because I watched it. Uh, I loved the way they they tied in a lot of New Hope explanation stuff because so many people, I have this saying when it comes to professional wrestling, and, and I, I will admit that I'm not always good at this, let it marinate. Um, when the first couple of episodes of Obi-Wan hit, people hated on so much uh, of this show feeling like it was going to completely blast the original trilogy out of the water. And I don't think that's true at all. I think that they did a great job of explaining how this series connects to A New Hope, and specifically Obi-Wan Kenobi finding himself. We get one of the 
great expected cameos of all time, and they save it to the last three minutes of the of the show with Liam Neeson coming back as Qui Gon Jinn, uh, finally seeing him as a Force ghost. Uh, but you see that neither Obi Wan Kenobi nor Darth Vader are complete at the end of this show. They're still not the product that we see in A New Hope because Obi-Wan kicks the ever-living shit out of Darth Vader again and is still Darth Vader's master. And that thing gets explained back is a callback to episode four when he talks about the circle being complete. And even then, Darth Vader was 0 for 3 against Obi-Wan Kenobi. And that's all you have to know because even though he struck Obi-Wan down, Darth Vader still loses. All right. We're going to take our second commercial break. Before we go into our recorded commercial, it is my duty to remind all of you that if you like what we do here at thechairshot.com and on the Chairshot Radio Network, that you need to head over to prowrestlingtees.com and invest in one of our many chair shot shirts. Since I came back from vacation, I decided to represent the brand, put on the Bandwagon Nerd shirt. Very excited to be wearing it. Spent the few dollars more on top of my $19.99 to get this soft style because it feels great on your giblets. And I'm just telling you, the nipples, a little perky today. Feeling good. You know why? Soft style. Feels good on the giblets. That's why. Always, always, always. There's all sorts of other designs you can choose from, though. There's OG chair shot logos. I'm sure there's still a random Platt Balaz election shirt in there somewhere. Who knows? Everyone hates Greg. That is one of the more popular designs. <laughs> All of them are there for your consumption. Again, that is ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot. We cannot put out quality content every single day without your continued support. And so I'm, I'm telling you, this is how you help us get our names out there, rep the brand, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot. It's not just a website. It's a movement. Right, Platt? you damn right. All right. When we come back, a little bit of news around the nerdosphere. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey, folks. PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All right. Well, we are now back, and we are going to jump into some news around the Nerdosphere. Not going to be very dramatic about it. But what we are going to do is we're going to start by visiting the MCU. And we can't visit the MCU without ripping off some music. So without further ado... we're going to start with it actually with a tweet that got shared that that shared some numbers um in regards to the latest mcu streaming um series ms marvel which for those of you who may not be watching is a terrific show i have been watching it i've been staying on top of it from episode one 
And here's the thing. The best part about this show, in my opinion, is that it is so much more than a superhero show. This is a look into a slice of America that people want to ignore and marginalize. We talked about marginalized population. American Muslims, pretty marginalized in the United States. And this tweet, and I, I can't, I, the tweet's not working as I try to open it up. It's not letting me verify the link, so I, I can't actually read it. But basically what it said is that this is the first, or is the lowest viewed Marvel show on Disney Plus for its first five day run. And one, I can't say I'm surprised. From the tweet. Right. Uh, simply stated, I'm not surprised. Um, and I think that not to, to ma I, I'm going to make it a racing. White people aren't watching this show. Garrett, because the other statistic that came out of this, I know you and I are, Tony, but the other statistic that came out of it is that what, what's the demographic raise the one who pulled it out? It's like, um, uh, go ahead. Uh, okay. So, um, in the first five days of the, of the MCU TV shows, WandaVision did 1.6 million. Falcon and Winter Soldier did 1.8 mil. Loki, of course, thanks to Tom Hiddleston, did 2.5. Hawkeye did 1.5. Moon Knight did 1.8. Miss Marvel did 775,000. However, according to the caveat that Patrick so uh, beautifully uh, alluded to, it has a, a higher rate of younger viewers and Black, Hispanic, and Asian households than the other MCU shows, which makes sense. Makes complete sense. And it just, it fascinates me because white folks are missing out on a great show. And it really, it's its not surprising, but very disappointing that, that these numbers aren't going there. On the other hand, this is a young, this, this show has the energy of a almost, Tony shared a, a trailer for a Nickelodeon documentary uh, the other day. This feels like a Nickelodeon show a little bit in its energy, not in its its themes, but in sort of the energy and exuberance that Kamala Khan has towards superheroes and, and her like character. I, I I love her, by the way. Like the, the the as a hero, as a character, she's so great. Um, and to Amon Vellani, who's never yeah, acted before. right, yeah, this is her first role. Like it's 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 a fan being a fan. It's so it's so great. You know, but a lot of great directors will tell you, and if you watch that Nickelodeon series, they'll tell you they're looking for kids who weren't over-rehearsed and over-polished. They wanted someone who was real, who could come in and actually just, they were a fan. They could appreciate it. They knew what to do, right? It's like someone who comes in from wrestling as a, at WrestleMania and is a celebrity and not a wrestler. They're going to do a lot better if they're a fan like Bad Bunny as opposed to if they're not like some other people. I don't want to mention names. So, you know, you kind of get that youthful exuberance, that naivete that goes with it, which doesn't seem, you know, overproduced and, and you know, like uh, over-manufactured, like a Twinkie. That's a great point. And so we're, well, we're, we're in... Patrick talked about it a little bit. I'm sure we're getting to it deeper. But the, the beginning of the MCU had to do be a certain way to become profitable, right? Sometimes you got to prove that you can make money, then you can do what you want. And Feige, to his point, has, has 
played this as gen- uh, from a genius perspective. But imagine the weight on Chadwick Boseman's shoulders, rest in, rest in peace, rest in power, when he was given the role of Black Panther and we knew what that movie was going to mean to black people and Africans, too. Imagine right. the weight on, on Simu Liu's uh, shoulders when he got that role, knowing what it was going to mean to Asians in general, and specifically Chinese people, but Asians in general. So to your point, Tony, I think it's kind of cool that they said, no, we're going to just do this open cast and call the brand new kid because the pressure of being the first Middle Eastern, Pakistani in particular, Muslim superhero is going to be so big Maybe it's easier if we give it to someone who's never felt that pressure. I, but I don't, I don't know that it went that way. I thought the story, and I could be wrong as well, but I thought the story went that they seen this and went, "This is who we want." And mm-hmm. regard, no, they were open casting call. For, no, I know. So right, so open casting call, right? Yeah. So I think I don't think they had an idea of what direction they want to go, ethnicity-wise. I think they just saw her and then wrote the show around her. No, 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 no. Kamala Khan seen for in for that Pakistani Muslim, a Pakistani Muslim, yes. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. they want they're so one thing they've been doing recently, um, and it's very specific for Miss Marvel because of the ramifications of that area, right? Right. It's, it, they're very specific. They they again look at how finally that they walk the line with the Moon Knight series, right? Some people in the Moon Knight series were sure. actually of Egyptian descent, right? Right. Um, but they, but the, yeah, they What's didn't cast sure it Which way it happened? No, I yeah, mean. they wanted to actually live out the role of Kamala Khan in real life. And it helped that not only was Iman Vellani Pakistani, not only was she 16, which well, is 18 now, not only was she Muslim, but she's really, truly a super fan. Right. Like every, she's Kamala right. Khan in real life. Now, if, if I can interject here for a second, I just want to play devil's advocate just quickly here. I, I think that to a certain degree, Marvel fatigue is real, especially as, and you, you, you talked about it, Ray, how they introduced certain characters a certain way in order to establish the, the property and the brand. I get that. But when you start to introduce a lot of these characters that the average viewer might not be that familiar with, I, you know, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that, you know, viewership might wane for some of these shows. Now, that being said, that doesn't account for the, the idiots online and, and, and the, the, the think pieces and shit like that. That's not even really coded language at this point. Like, it's not even codified. It's just what it is. Like, that doesn't account for that. People that didn't watch just didn't watch. But, you know, this is one of the reasons, and, you know, we, we you and I, or all of us, we have these discussions. And, you know, y'all know me. Sometimes I'll take this bottle of water and I'll somehow go from this bottle of water to Jupiter or some shit like that. But this is why I say a lot of times that these TV shows and these movies, man, they can be dangerous because it's not just about entertainment. In a lot of cases, it's about education and also indoctrination. So, for example, what I mean by that is when I was growing up, the bad guys were always the Russians, right? And and then the Soviet Union falls, the Cold War is over, now it gets switched over to the to the Arabs and specifically Arab Muslims. And now more recently, you're starting to see the Chinese kind of be the, the big bads in, in all of the movies. So, you know, as Hollywood, you've spent not even Hollywood, just American society in general. You've spent all these years training the average American to think when they see Muslim, that's the bad guy. That's automatically the bad guy. 
now all of a sudden you're starting to introduce you know muslim culture in more into not just into life itself but now you're in their escape because these movies are supposed to be that the average white guys escape from reality and what's going on in their lives and now you're introducing it into there and yeah so what do you expect i, I you know i'm not saying they're right don't get me wrong but i understand what do you expect? Like, you've been setting these people up. These people have been the, the villain for 40 years now, and now all of a sudden, you know, the average American's supposed well, to embrace them with open arms. I, that's, you know. Well, here's, here's the thing. The character itself and what happens, it's, it's not done in such a way where it's like, hey, check out our Muslim character. She is a character who is Muslim. It, 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 it mm. was, though. It was heavy. It, where? No. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me finish. No. Let me finish. Let me finish. All right, finish. Within the first five minutes, you see the brother downstairs praying. And I'm not saying whatever. It's a Muslim character. It's a Muslim family. Whatever. I'm saying get so, over I was trying to break it back. So let me ask you this question then. Because how many damn movies where do we have a white Christian dude at some point at a church praying? Let me finish. I was about to get into that. So yes. Oh, really? Where is one character about this one Muslim family and you're losing your shit about it. Get the fuck over it. It's not. And on the surface, it's a really cute show. You you all talked about the lead actress. She's really good. She's very likable, and it's just a, it's a cute show. It's very breezy. It's only forty five minutes, but it breezes by. But yeah, I, I don't I, think that this backlash should have been this back. Well, I don't I don't know if I. It's not really backlash. It's just people not watching. Like backlash is, and I mean there is there there's always some backlash with anything, but like I haven't seen backlash so much as I've seen disinterest. Um, and I do think that does maybe there is something to. Marvel fatigue. Like I know, a few weeks ago, there was an article we talked about where, um, you know, you're starting to see the backlash in the form of like Marvel is homework, and like having to watch all these shows to connect all these dots. The thing that I found really interesting about both Moon Knight and now Miss Marvel right now is outside of knowing who the hell Captain Marvel is, you don't need to watch anything with out of the MCU to really enjoy Ms. Marvel. Uh, you don't really need to watch anything to do with Marvel to watch Moon Knight. And you're like, there's no connection in Moon Knight at all. Like, there's just, like, nothing. I'm like, glad, we don't even... I'm, 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 glad, I'm just glad you brought that up. Because there are there have been other things in the MCU you could have said was, was uh, Marvel fatigue. But we're, the last two shows for Miss Marvel were... Hawkeye, which most people think is the worst Avenger and was didn't deserve a show. He got 1.5 mil. And then Moon Knight, a character nobody's ever heard of, that got 1.8 million. At least people have heard of Miss Marvel. They may not know anything about her, but they've heard of her because she's a character created in the past 10 years. So most people who are inclined to watch stuff like this at least have heard the term before, right? So it's so I don't know that this is so much of MCU backlash. Because 1.8 million people watch Moon Knight, but they ain't no shit about it. You know, and the, the irony of all of this is, I can't remember who the writer who created Kamala. Forgive me for that. I'm sure we'll come up with it. But part of the reason I'd imagine they created her specifically in that situation was because I bet you, and this is a horrible thing to think and say, but I bet you the person thought it's easier to swallow if it's a young teenage girl. Like as a character, like, like with that background. For example, flip it, flip it. I, I know you're not a big DC guy, uh, Patrick, but Simon Bass, who is one of the newest Green Lanterns in DC, 
he's paired up with Jessica Cruz because they know they can't put him on his own. Because he's, he's a Muslim man. Like they, but they know if I put a Muslim dude who's a Green Lantern and give him his own comic book series, nobody's going to watch or read. And it's foul. But that's the world we live in, unfortunately. So you put him with Jessica Cruz, make it a buddy cop. I people interested in that. And the, the, but Kamala is, such, is so... Her character is so airy and so light and so fun and so loving. She's, she's a fangirl. She literally is obsessed with the superhero like we are. So it's, it, it's I'm imagining that's supposed to lessen the quote unquote, I hate saying that, but the blow. I, I, can't, I can't argue that there isn't something to, to that. Making a character palatable to masses, like that is Hollywood 101, that's Entertainment 101. I, you know, I will. I will be intrigued to see if viewership changes or increases as this show progresses. Um, you know, it's it is it is fascinating to me because I will I will point out that you know you mentioned it. She's popular. She does have a pretty strong following. I think her following is watching the show. Yeah. I I do think that me. I'll, I'll lay it out. Me. Like, and people like me. I, it's not even a comic I would have honestly necessarily picked up because I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to identify with that character. So maybe that is something to it. Uh, I do think it's fascinating, though. And to your point, Moon Knight, who nobody knew anything about, maybe Oscar Isaac brings in 1.8. I, I I don't know. Maybe, um, but I. Guardians of the Galaxy was huge in the theaters. Ant-Man, Ant-Man was was huge in the theaters. Wow. How is it that this one how is it that this one random character this is the this is the one off and the exception it, it feels like there's more there. And and that's Kinda, interesting. I don't want to get too heavy-handed cuz I don't I don't want to lose the right. audience or bore them. But it, it, it it's kind of it's very similar to something that we're going to talk to talk about rather a little bit later on in the show. Um, mm-hmm. The fact of the matter is that the average aged Muslim is 18 years old and younger. So what that means is 100, 200 years, Islam is going to overtake Christianity as the world's religion. So a lot of this backlash, or because you can't call it empathy, this is clearly a backlash, whether you've seen stuff online or not. The fact that the numbers are what the numbers are, and they're not watching this, that's your backlash right there. A lot of this and a lot of what we're going to talk about later on, it, it, it has to do with s- survival and, and feeling that you're being replaced by other when you've been taught your entire life that you should fear the other. And now we're teaching you to embrace the other when we spent this whole time teaching you that the other was bad. Yeah. Y- y'all get where I'm going, man. I don't yeah, want to get... No, I, I understand. I understand. And we... Well, we're, and I'm okay with talking about some heavier stuff to, to wrap up this show, because uh, that's definitely where we we're going. Uh, but what I, I do want to talk about, we had a couple of other pieces of Marvel news that I think are actually intertwined. Kevin Feige... Yeah, say one oh, more thing real quick. One more thing. No, I promise you it's going to be quick. I just want okay. to say that the, De- the Desi wedding scene in yes. episode three is one of the five best Marvel scenes ever. It's that good to me. It is that good. And I know you disagree with that easily, Patrick. But it's that it's one of the five. What? 
that's no diss to the, to the Desi Marvel scene. I just, knowing you well enough to know the things that you like, I would imagine you would put other things in front of that. But to me, this top five Marvel scene ever. It's that good. Just put that out. Like, I haven't seen episode three yet, but I watched the first two. I'm going to watch episode three. Right. Yeah, but just check it out. It's a. Check yeah, it I. You see the scene and let me know what you think. I, I have thoroughly enjoyed the amount of um, character development and just um, what they've done with this family to, te- to, to show audiences their lives. And what they're like, there's a lot of day to day life stuff in this show. And I think that that is valuable and I think that is important. And you talk about normalizing Platt. This is part of this is part of normalizing a character and showing that these are human beings with traditions and you know that they're not all that different from white folk. Yeah, right? Like they're they're different, different but same. It's I mean, it's family. That's what this yeah. is. It's family. Ohana. All that fun stuff. Thing. Right. Jordan Peele did the exact same thing in the first thirty minutes of us. The first 30 minutes of us is just you getting to know this family. You got right. okay, the goofy dad, you got the bratty kids, the you know, you got yep. the mom that's holding it all together. And it's not just a, a black family, it's just a family. So then by the right. time when the shit hits the fan, you have, an, you're, uh, hopefully, that was the plan, you have an emotional right. investment into this family and you're cheering for them to make it out alive. But right. and there's sort of a path that they're right. taking here with this as well. And there is conflict within this family. And so like we're we're seeing we're seeing the seeds of that planted in Miss Marvel. It's it's going to kind of come forward. We know it's gonna come forward as part of this is you know, particularly between Kamala and her mother. Like that is a very strong central theme to this. And it's and it's very much a traditions versus breaking from traditions um uh, piece of it. And that is that is that is true across cultures. It just is. So it's hilarious that her mother literally had to break from her traditions because of how she was raised. Right. That's that is what is. I again. I think that this is a terrific series. I think it's been really good. I would put it um, above. Actually, I'd put it above Moon Knight. Uh, in my opinion, I'd definitely put it above, above Hawkeye. Um, it's it's terrific. I really really enjoy. It. I think it's better than uh, you know um, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Uh, to be honest, there, there's no tree gymnastics bag um, montage, so we're good. I mean, they, they, uh, Moon Knight is always going to be the, the butt naked last on the list of Marvel shows. They could come out with Aryan Man, and his, his ne- arch nemesis could be Jim Crow, and I'm going to probably like that more than Moonlight. So, <laughs> all right, well, fair enough. Well, let's let's shift over to Kevin Feige, who, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna cover both of these stories at the same time because I think that they intertwine together as Ray tries to pull himself uh, pull himself together. Um, Kevin Feige did an interview uh, where he said, and I quote, we will learn about the MCU's next big saga in the coming months. Along with that, we learned this week that Marvel, specifically Marvel Studios, is returning to San Diego Comic-Con in August. So I'm hearing some applause. That's a big deal. Well, hey, good for Dave. 
Is Dave, is Dave going to Comic Con? Did he get Did he get passes? No, he's, he's, a, he's a hell of a lot closer than all the out of all of us. I mean, someday I want to someday I want to attend San Diego Comic Con. That is, you know, a bucket list sort of goal. Um, let's Let's start with this. I, Kevin Feige's always teasing about the next big thing in the MCU, and speculation I think that that came out of this group was that he's probably teasing something that's going to come about out of. Uh, Wakanda Forever, uh, the next, like, we haven't seen anything yet. I would assume that we're going to see something come July 9th or 8th. Um, sorry, whenever whenever Thor, Love and Thunder hits theaters. Like, that'll be our first kind of true look. But maybe they save it for August, uh, the, the, the kind of the true reveal, and it doesn't come back until they're in Hall H. Because you know that if they're returning to Hall H at San Diego Comic-Con, you can't, you can't half-ass that return. Emphatic nod from Ray Cash. You're you're smiling. You applauded. Why don't you Why don't you speak on that a little bit? Well, that's why I got excited because I mean I know we got Disney Investor Day and Disney Plus Day, and Walt Disney's head is somewhere in Roy what's his name's closet day. But like, this is what got Marvel back to Marvel was the anticipation of Hall H and bringing everybody out and giving us, like, giving us the cheat sheet. This is coming, this is coming, this is coming. That's what, it's, that's what happened. In fact, we're still living off the last Hall H when you brought uh, back Natalie Portman and you brought out of nowhere Mahershala Ali. And oh yeah, we got Mutants and Fantastic Four. That, we're still living off of that. So, on top of that, this is gonna, forgive me for being a bit like exaggerative, but I don't think I am. This is gonna save Comic Con because, with respect, Comic Cons are always gonna be huge, but they have dwindled massively since the pandemic for two not pandemic reasons, clearly, but also because there's always the big linchpin that people look forward to that brings the extra people, not the regular people. It's gonna be ridiculous again now, which is good, only good for comics, only good for lesser-known authors and illustrators and creators, it's going to be good for everybody because there's going to be so many more people there who are going to be looking forward to Hall H, and we're probably going to see... We're up... We're going to see who the, who the Fantastic Four is going to be, bet money. We're going to get the first introduction to whatever the mutants are going to be. The world's going to change again in August. So I'm hyped for that, and... If you're a Marvel fan and you don't get hyped for Hall H, what are you doing? Well, I don't know. What are you doing? Tony, what are you doing? I'm just hanging out on bandwagon nerds right now. Um, are you hyped for Hall H? Are you hyped for the return of Marvel Studios to San Diego Comic-Con? I Sure. Can't. <laughs> so, he's not a Marvel guy. Now, if Graham... Now, if Graham Gustin was showing up at Hall H to take over the role of the Flash at the DC panel, dude, you'd be all over this. You'd be walking around like mother's milk at Herogasm. That's what you'd be doing. Take it to the bathroom. It'll be yours. Take it to the bathroom. Huh? It has to be his. That's right. Platt, what about you? You stoked for the return of Marvel Studios to Hall H. And I do think, how good is this for San Diego Comic Con? Well, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm waiting for the trailer or the reveal of the X-Men. That's what I'm waiting on. 
Good for Comic-Con, though. Ray is absolutely, he hit the nail on the head there. You do need some sort of linchpin to not just get the regulars, but also get the other uh, casuals as well. And it's just another sign that we're starting to get back to normal, which, you know, on the broad spectrum of things, that's, that's cool. I guess that's been happening, but... And it's always cool to, you know, to look online and see what trailers come out and stuff like that. That's always kind of cool. It's kind of like um, the first day of free agency. Right. Yeah, I, that's a great example, you know, yes. I, I got to say, I do, I have mixed feelings, honestly, about the return of Marvel Studios to San Diego Comic-Con. Not because I'm not going to love what happens. Like, I'm, I'm going to love whatever comes out of that. You guys know that. Like, I'll be totally just as hyped as anybody else. Um, but one of the things that had happened, and and this is the curmudgeon in me, I'll, I'll own it. San Diego Comic-Con for the last few years, last couple of years, has been about comic books, not about entertainment um, and movies. And, and if you look at pre-shutdown pandemic, because we're still in the pandemic, by the way, um, but pre-shutdown pandemic, we um, it it had, it had transformed into an inter almost solely a film and television entertainment expo, and comic book creators and artists were there, but they were the forgotten part of Comic Con. Like nobody cares, or nobody cared, and so I worry that with the return of major studios to San Diego Comic-Con, that that piece will be lost on some level because it won't be, like, you won't look through the schedule looking for Brian Michael Bendis and his panel on what he's drawing right now. We're looking to see what, what trailers we're going to catch. And so I think it is both a good, I think it is a very good thing for the bottom line of San Diego Comic-Con, as, as Platt pointed out and as you pointed out, Ray, it will save them financially for me, the old man comic book guy just knows that, that like those panels aren't going to go away and I'm going to seek them out. I understand they're not what puts butts in the seats and puts eyeballs on the, on the event. Um, but I also know that that spotlight now goes away. Like there, there was a DC Comics panel that was like worth following at Comic-Con because there was no DCEU panel, no Warner Brothers panel. There was no... Um, there was no Disney panel. Um, those were all gone uh, for, for a couple of years. And so, but yeah, sign me up for all the announcements. Sign me up for the Fantastic Four. Sign me up for the X-Men. Sign me up for uh, Thunderbolts. Sign me up for all that stuff. Like, I want to see it. I want to know. Absolutely. 1,000%. I'm with you. I'm with you, and I agree with you. But I think if you frame it in that it's just, San Diego Comic Con, because this was happening at all of the major Comic Cons, and yeah, I get you. They're big, well, but it's just the one. Well, but let's let's be real here. There's two Comic Cons that people talk about. Well, really? That are named San Comic Con? Yeah, sure. Well, no, I mean there's Comic Palooza and there's Comic. Sure, and and those are still going to exist, and people are still going to go to them and pay ten dollars to to meet an artist and and all that. But when it comes to like the convention culture, we look at two. We look at New York in the fall. We look at San Diego in the in the summer. We maybe look at Emerald Con um, when those come back, whether that's in Chicago, Seattle, and those those have kind of died off. But like. 
also we gotta we gotta understand like the comic cons the major comic cons are all under like one giant corporate umbrella now too so i mean capitalism yay like it is what it is um i want them to be events again i do i really want them to be events again I just felt a little bit of nostalgia, and, and, you know, for for what San Diego was the last couple of years, and so who knows? Who knows if DC will will come back to San Diego, or whether they will stick with Fandom, which was not the same this second time around. It was smaller, still very impactful, but smaller. Uh, but uh, we'll 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 just have to wait and see. To, to the other point, which yep. is what Feige is teasing. I know we're looking forward to Wakanda Forever for so many things. The introduction, supposedly, wink, wink, of Namor and all the other things. But we're sleeping on Thor Love and Thunder because if you've been watching, we've been introduced to a lot of um, of the gods of certain cultures. You know, we knew about the Wakandan god Bast, but that was kind of eh. But Bast was introduced a little more with with Moon Knight and there's Another one I'm missing, but I know it's another one. But we're oh, that's guard, that's guardians. But we're really going to get into it heavy in this, which I right. think could play into some of the future things. Yeah, I mean, you, you look you, to, to go back to Miss Marvel. You're getting introduced to gods out of Miss Marvel uh, on some level. You're oh, getting yeah, introduced. Yeah, good yeah, you're getting introduced to. You, or you could argue the Eternals are on the level of gods. You've got the Olympians. Yep. You've got the Olympians. You've got um, you've got the Asgardians. It's we're, we're it's only getting bigger. Gods could be the next big thing, and we're sitting here looking at at Kang the Conqueror. Who knows? That's what makes all this shit exciting and fun. Erisham got to come back. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. It's 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 not done. And I I think this is my stupid thought. But I think that Erishim, his guard dog, is Galactus. Might be. We don't know. We'll have to wait and find out. And that'll that'll probably get revealed a little bit more come late, you know, a couple weeks from now with Thor Love and Thunder, and I think even more so when we get to Comic-Con. All right. I shared this article because I just want to hear PC Tunney go off with me on this one. As in the works, it has been announced, and we're, we're not very far into this stage, we're getting a Game of Thrones sequel series following Jon Snow. Why can't we get the Game of Thrones series we all want, which is, Tony, what one is it that we want? Five words. One question. What is west of Westeros? Yes. But no. We're gonna get Jon Snow. Um, apparently, Kit Harrington pitched this uh, and got it approved by like the George R. R. Martin Brain Trust, which you know the guy can't write the damn books, but he can go fuck himself. Literally, I mean, I know you do. Uh, so we know the PC Tony won't be watching. Did either Ray Platt? You both muted yourself, so I'm gonna. Did, did, did you watch Game of Thrones? Do you care about this? Is it right up there with Lock and Key for you? I watch the game all the time, and I've seen the throne or two before. Oh, Jesus. Okay. You know, my cousin was actually in the game. Patrick, just move on. Yeah, Jason okay. Pitts. Okay. Patrick, like, seriously, go ahead. Dip. It bits. It bits. Yeah. It bits. It bits. It bits. It bits. 
There you go. You know, we were doing so well. We, we were doing so well. We were doing so well. I got to own that I asked for this business. This was my fault. I, I should have I should have let you stay muted. His father, who was my cousin as well, his name is Grady. He was an actor as well. Okay. And on that note, um, we will now move on to the next subject after muting Christopher Platt. Chris, Chris was insulted, then incensed, then, and, and slightly impressed that you did that to him. He's like, respect. <laughs> you can yourself there, buddy. Yeah, I, I, have no, I have no power here. I, I can, he, the first words out of his mouth after he figures out how to unmute himself. Uh, he'll get there. He'll find it. <laughs> anyway. I should have let's. You can be again. Um, let's get into the last. Let's get into the last uh, article, the last news bit, and, and you know, everybody by this point certainly is aware that the Supreme Court, in a six-to-three decision, uh, overturned the fifty-year legislation that has been known as Roe v. Wade, uh, basically determining that uh, a woman's right to an abortion was a right and protected under the federal government. Uh, and regardless uh, of the opinions that were, you know, that have flown out there from folks who either have celebrated or feel completely alienated by this decision, you know, I can tell you myself personally, uh, I'm disgusted by this result. I, I'm really deflated in in the sense that there's just so many people whose lives are now impacted by this. If you think that there's nobody in your life that has, has had an abortion or experienced thinking about getting an abortion, then you lead a very sheltered life where people don't trust you to tell you that information because I guarantee you, someone in your life you are connected to in some way, shape, or form has either faced that decision and made that decision um, or, or had that, you know, had to, had to live with that for years in silence because of the stigma that's attached to it. The other thing that's really concerning about this is that the, the decision does also call into question uh, your right to privacy, not just a person's right to privacy when they decide uh, whether or not to go forward with having an abortion, but could call into question your right to privacy for other things. And it's already laid out in Clarence Thomas's concurring opinion uh, when talking about things like gay marriage and some of these other, what was believed to be settled legislation within the government. So we can talk about the decision um, if you'd like. What I really wanted to get into, because this is an entertainment podcast, is and, and the article that I shared, what I wanted to go forward with was, in the wake of this announced decision, which we knew was coming months ago because of, of the leak out of the Supreme Court, we, we saw multiple companies and corporations step forward and offer support to the women that work for them and helping them get the medical care they need, even if that means funding travel to other states where it's legal. The Pentagon has said 
that they will support their women in service to do this. For us, what I think was the most notable company to step forward and say that they're going to support the women that work for them was Disney. Disney, Netflix, Warner Brothers, all of them released statements saying that they are going to support women on some level in finding the care that they need. My question to this group, not only, you know, like, yay, right decisions. I think Disney's a huge deal because Disney done fucked up so hard on trans rights and, and, you know, LGBT, you know, workers with the whole don't say gay bill thing and the way that they, they sort of tried to play both sides. And that is a conservative company. Make no mistakes. They, they have given money to the people who helped make this decision possible. So for them to say this, now, will they stop funding those other folks? That would be a bigger statement to me, in my opinion. Stop paying their lobbyists. Uh, but will this bleed into studios and where they choose to make movies? Because we've heard them threaten this before. We've heard them threaten Georgia. We've heard them threaten Texas. But they don't really do it. So my question to you all is, is this going to be more talk outside of helping their workers get the care that they need? Platt, you're leaning in, so go for it. Yeah, man, I wanted to, yeah, first off, um, women's reproductive rights belong individually. And that's that on that. And if you find that statement controversial, DM me at the real C Platt and I will invite you down here to the Kramer compound and I will personally put my nuts in your mouth, you fucking small dick pissant. Now back to the, the, the topic at hand here. Personally, I find this very fascinating because I, I live in said Georgia that you alluded to earlier and there have been companies that have threatened to do that before. It's interesting to me because I've only been here for five years and I've seen Atlanta almost turned into like uh, the LA of the West. There's a lot of movie studios here. Tyler Perry just built that huge complex here. A lot of things are filmed here in, in, in Georgia, specifically Atlanta. Atlanta. A lot of the Marvel stuff that you see was filmed in Atlanta. The last two Avengers were filmed in Atlanta. Just as example, like it's a it, it's becoming a major player in the entertainment industry. And I'm interested to see what happens. Um, do I think that they'll follow through? I don't know. But if they do, that's going to be interesting because are we going to turn back to everything's just going to be New York and L.A. centric in this country, and especially in regards to, to uh, or are they going to take their business elsewhere, take it up to Canada or something like that? So I'm kind of watching this with an interesting eye because, you know, from a, a, a selfish standpoint, the, you know, the Georgia economy affects my personal economy and, you know, things that I have going on. So I would like to see them talk their walk or walk their talk rather. But I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I think at this point, man, it's too premature to even make any uh, predictions because I think everybody right now is still kind of, we're still kind of in the afterbirth of the decision itself. And we'll, we'll see what happens moving forward. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Big sigh. First off, I'm tired. I'm just really fucking tired of... The, the, the world we live in, the country we live in, the, the, the way people can twist a fact 
or what's not a fact to make it affect them. I, I'm a pastor's son. I was raised in the church, like, quite literally. And even I know, even I believe, even my family believes that a woman's right to her body is her own fucking right. So the fact that we decided on a whim, 50 years later, to change what was accepted as concrete law just because we fucking can, and it's gonna, it's only getting worse. It's only gonna get worse. You know, if you can just, the Supreme Court has no term limit, so they're there until they, until they're down, they're there until they die or they walk away. Not gonna walk away. One party has openly said we're not gonna take any, any, we're not gonna take any justices that you nominate and put them on because we don't want to rock with you because we want the majority. It's, it's all fucked up. It is what it is, it's, and it's going to get worse. I can go on for that for hours, but that's not the point of this conversation. To your question, um, the only, and I'm, this, this is coming from an ignorant place, truly ignorant, like in terms of I don't know, but the only thing I can remember or group or company or whatever that I can remember that actually stood their ground with saying we're leaving because you guys believe in this, was the NBA moving the All-Star game out of North Carolina, out of Charlotte. Because Major, Major, League, ba- Major League Baseball moved the All-Star game from Atlanta to Colorado. Okay. So, yeah. So, shout out to the sports leagues actually having some balls. I, you right. know, I, for the most part, you would think the only one that had some balls was the goddamn WNBA. They out here, like, literally fighting for equality while they're playing the game. Right. Um, but um, good for Disney, good for Warner Brothers, good for Netflix. I think Sony was on there. Sony, yep. I'm glad you said it. But you know what? All them damn companies that also got a, a rainbow logo right now that ain't got nothing to say or nothing to do or don't give a shit. Disney got a logo right now but wouldn't even put Love, Victor on Disney+. Plus. They moved it to Hulu. You know what I'm saying? Or all right. Miss me with the talk. I don't. I'm so fucking sick of. And I'm on the podcast talking right now, so I know that I I understand the irony. I'm so sick of the talk. Show me what you're gonna do. Give me action. Prove to me what you're gonna do right now, because we just lost a certain level of healthcare to over a hundred million people in this country on a whim, on a random Thursday. Like what well, are you doing with our lives? And, I don't I don't care what you what, what statement you release or you know how good your PR person wants to come out and say that right. show me. Show and me. I, and I and I agree with you. I think that that's really truly the next step. I and I do think and I will say this, I do think that providing means for their employees to get the treatment and the medical care they they need is an action. I think that is one action. I do not think it's the only action. Because I want to go back to what Platt pointed out. If you are a moviegoer or a television watcher, take the time to watch the credits of the film. And at the very, very end, 
you see all these different logos pop up, whether it's Dolby for sound, whether it's Technicolor, whether it's the IMAX logo, but one of the other logos that you'll see pop up in a ton of films is a peach. And it says Georgia underneath it. Georgia. Do you want better? They do the jingle at the end of the broadcast, whatever it is. The main TV, yeah. Georgia. They do it on the movies. Right. Some of the movies as well. Yeah. And here's the thing. And we're calling out Georgia, which is actually in an interesting place as a state right now as you look at Ms. Abrams running for governor. You look at just sort of the overall. Like, that is a. That that shit that state is trying to shift from at least red to purple, if well, if we can't get right. Well, right, and, and if and so Georgia at the very least has some leadership that is trying to affect real changes representative of its population. Um, gerrymandering makes that very very difficult. That's the problem. It's our political animal is such that that it makes it very difficult for a state to actually take change. But a company has to really look at itself and its board of directors need to look at itself and its soul and decide whether it's profits from filming someplace where it is cheap. Because that's why Georgia wins. It's because it is cheap. You get better breaks in Georgia than you do in LA and New York. If you listen to anybody who makes films, they will talk about how expensive it is to do New York, LA, or Chicago as a shooting location. Atlanta gives a lot of benefits to these studios. And so if these studios... You have to hire all unions. Oh, yeah. It's, that's a... Right. From a construction background, that's same thing with same same thing same thing with same thing with Los Angeles. Is it's it is it's about working your way around different contracts and laws. And Georgia's are more relaxed. And what concerns me is we're going to make this this statement and show of support about how we're going to help our employees, but you really won't force the country to and specific states and their legislatures to look at their policy and how they are hurting people because you're still giving them your money when you go there to make a movie you know what i mean and so thing about power Patrick, it is oh yeah absolutely sides of an argument so it can't lose either way exactly and that's always going to continue to happen like that's just what it is you know so i yeah i'm pessimistic about a second step, you know, and right now you're seeing all these companies get a lot of a lot of positive publicity, you know, and it's not just entertainment companies. Dick Sporting Goods, their statement has been floating around the internet, um, right? Um, Take both sides of an argument. Like I said. So, so it'll be yeah, you're damn right. Yeah. It, it it'll be interesting to see what else happens moving forward, if anything. Um, and what happens moving forward could be nothing else happening moving forward. Because, as, as you've alluded, Platt, money talks. And money is, is the basis of what these companies and corporations need to do. So I just thought of something hilarious. You know what would be hilarious if this happened and it would, people's heads would explode? And, and Sonny will get a kick out of this, too. What if the Saudi government stepped up and said, "Hey, how's it going?" Oh Jesus! <laughs> Would you be shocked? Uh, Would you be shocked? No. 
Oh. Right, so... Like uh, Victoria, Victoria Boys, Jack. <laughs> and... So to put a bow on this this conversation for for anyone who's listening, and I and I'm sorry if you you don't care about politics, tough shit. We're we're going to talk about it because it's relevant to this industry, it's relevant to this podcast, and it's relative to us as people. And if you are angry, and if you are somebody who's sitting here, you know, over the last four days, by the time this podcast drops, it is like, you know, somebody should do something. Fucking go do something. Fund a movement. Don't fund a political party. Do your research. Find a movement. Fund a movement. Go march. Go be an ally. Do the things that you're sitting there complaining about on Facebook or Twitter. Send a strongly worded DM to add it's me DPP. Whatever, whatever works. Sure. A little trick. And all of your elected officials, that means your 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 local politicians, your policemen, your sheriffs, your judges, they all have uh, uh, bonds on their licenses. So if you're really that pissed off, why don't you get together, get you and about you know 10,000 of your closest friends and, and put a lien on, on all their licenses. You cut their money off and cut the money off and see what happens. Political activism is as much a force for change and actually doing something and being like you got you got to back yourself up and it, and it's and it's not just talking about it it's actually taking some action and it's going to be dangerous it's going to be scary um people are going to get hurt you might get hurt uh, but if you really believe in, in helping those that are hurting you got to show it and you got to be there with them so all right on that note, we're going to call uh, this a wrap on a somber finish to Bandwagon Nerds. Before we get out of here, though, let's do a once around. Tell everybody where... Oh, shoot. I did have one thing that I wanted to put out there. Month of July, I'm bringing something back to the bandwagon. If you all will recall, I surprised... Some of you, in the, I think all of you in this group, actually I think it was this episode of Bandwagon Nerds, I think it was you four, that I surprised you all with the first ever Bandwagon Nerds Fantasy Draft. It's July. Last year we drafted the greatest superhero teams of all time. This year, this year we are going to draft the greatest villain cabals of all time we are going to give you our legions of dooms our god i don't even know the the brotherhood of evil mutants you name it we're going to come up with our evil mutant teams don't think it'll be next week but maybe the week after i haven't decided yet but that is coming in july members of the bandwagon will be drafting their ultimate villain teams here on bandwagon nerds now, let's move around the room. Tell everybody where they can find you out there on the interwebs. I'm going to go counterclockwise this week and start with Mr. PC Tunney. Uh, you can find me at PC Tunney on Twitter and Facebook. Please continue to listen to everything Chairshot Radio Network on all of your favorite streaming platforms and at thechairshot.com, where we encourage you to enjoy your day the Chairshot way by always using your head. Mr. Christopher Platt. 
you all can find me on Twitter at the Real C Platt. Uh, Patrick, thanks for having me. Great to see all you gentlemen again. You threw up the Platt signal, and I was there to answer. I am you all's Billy Preston to your Beatles, and if you know, you know. Oh, I know, Mr. Ray Cash. Guitarist, you're the fourth guitarist to Green Day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the unofficial fifth member. You dick. <laughs> um, I'm not gonna give you my Twitter. I'm gonna tell you to go follow the National Network of Abortion Funds at Abortion Funds. Do that. Don't follow me. Do that. Well said. And you can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist at W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. You can catch me every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on the Chair Shot Radio Network. On Mondays, it's Bandwagon Nerds. Tuesdays, it's usually Hockey Talk with David Ungar. This week, it'll be a 5x5 with myself and PC Tunney. And on Wednesday, it's me and Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales doing the Greg DeMarco Show. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself up out of the basement and protest. That's what I'm going to say. Protest. Give a, give Fight. Because if you don't, nothing's going to happen and we're going to sit here and we're going to be facing this all over again as the things we value in this country slowly erode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.